I'd like to talk to you a little bit about um, the transfer of power. Transfer of power. Transfer of power. Did you get it done? Thank you. Um, when, um, let's say, just the situation, when dad finally um, trains his kid on driving a car and then they begin going, he, he transfers the power not only of that car but his authority for the kid being on his insurance and all that kind of stuff. But he's given that power and authority to that kid to, to drive and trusts him when he goes or she goes and drives. So the transfer of power. Um, when you're at work um, and you're promoted, there's a transfer of, of power and authority for you then to do what you've been trained to do and, and apparently you deserve that promotion and so there's a transfer of power. Um, when you graduate from high school, there's a transfer of power with that diploma that you've, you've come this far. Now you, you have the certificate to go on from here. So um, in our lives everywhere, there's this transfer of power, transfer, thanks, Bo. Thanks, uh, of power and authority. Um, and so the weirdest thing, I, as I was thinking about this message and as we've been in the book of Acts, and there's been different titles, the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the first believers. And we see that there's been a transfer of power and authority that Jesus had that he gave to his disciples. This is interesting. And as we step through Acts, we see some amazing, powerful things happen. We, um, Peter and John, on the way to worship to that temple, there was a lame man. And Peter says to him, uh, silver and gold have I none, but stand, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the man stood up. The power was transferred to them as they went to worship. And with that power then, they had the opportunity to share <laughs> Jesus, to share where that power came from, where that authority came from. So what we're going to see here is um, that continual response of what the disciples were doing. But if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's transferred his power, the power of the Holy Spirit to you. And you and I have been gifted with different manifestations of that power, different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us to do the work that Jesus was doing involved in saving lives for all eternity you and I are given different jobs in that kingdom work, but we can't accomplish it without the power. So he transferred the power and authority, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a part of that work. And it's 
beyond you, just in case you thought, oh, I just need to try a little harder or I need to just take a class on this, even though that might be good to do. But this kind of authority and power is focused on what Jesus came to do. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So you and I are involved in that in different ways. It may be just in your own house. But we're going to see how the disciples stepped through this and how they responded um, to those that were um, accusing them of doing good. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool of being accused of doing good? (laughs) Uh, We get accused of doing a lot of other stuff, but accused of doing good. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter uh, 4. Acts chapter 4. And we are at verse 13, beginning at 13 here. So what's happening is the things that are happening are unbelievable um, that the religious rulers of the day, or you could say the uh, people in charge of uh, the nation of Israel at the time, and they had questioned Um, the disciples on what power and what authority have you healed this man because they were uh, proclaiming Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, the anointed one, the one promised to come. All right, so um, after um, they, let me just go back to Acts Acts chapter four, uh, verse 10. Here's Peter's response and then we'll get into um, where we're headed here. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, so he makes this statement. They're standing before the same people that had the authority to put Jesus to death. They're standing before the same group and they're telling the truth. And I believe the reason they're telling the truth and boldness too is that even the leadership might repent and change, but they're telling the truth. So here's what happens. The first thing that happens is that they witness power. They witness the power of lives that have been changed. Now look at me. Look to me with um, verse thirteen and fourteen, Acts chapter four. It says, "Now when they saw the boldness, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marvelled and they realized." that they had been with Jesus. And then in verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. The power of changed lives, the power of one's life that was pursuing anti-God to pursuing God, the power of changed lives, the power 
of even this man standing before him. So they were witnessing unusual power. Now, just in case, just in case you wondered about how that power came to be, that same power that Jesus operated in, go back to Acts chapter 1. So keep your finger here in chapter 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to his disciples, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what they were witnessing was that transfer of power that was promised to happen, the Spirit It was invisible spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that transfer of power changed the lives of these men that were standing before them. And I thought it wonderful that it records in Acts chapter 4 that it says that they were perceived as they were listening to them and looking at them that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled and realized they had been with Jesus. You know what that tells me? That God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. He does supernatural things to you and to me when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, A life up here where This is how you lived this way. Now the disciples were radically changed. They were hiding, fearful of what um, these people would do to them. The uh, rulers of Israel would do to them the same that happened to Jesus when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter's standing right in front of the same people. (laughs) He's saying, Jesus is the Messiah and he rose again and he gave witness to that. Not only that, but the power that the Holy Spirit used their vessels to heal a man that was lame. And so there they were standing before him and they marveled and they couldn't say a thing. Right, that kind of thing. Just what are we seeing here today? Maybe even taking their breath away. These, the lives, their lives were radically changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ that he gave to them. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's calling you and me to a place up here where it's uncomfortable in the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're comfortable wherever you are because you're living the life that God has designed that you'd be part of this kingdom plan of sharing life with him forever. That you are a friend of God's now because you believed in Jesus Christ. And he's transferred his name on you and his authority on you and his power on you to do what the flesh cannot do. So oftentimes you and I are standing right at that brink, standing right there going, do I do this? Do I follow the Lord? Do I enter into this that in the flesh I'm uncomfortable. The power of God in you, the work that he has to do, has for you and me. I was uh, in my time with the Lord praying and um, wondering about us here as a group at Evergreen. 
And I've been here now uh, 20, I think going on 25 years. I w- came in here and my kids were about my grandkids' height, came in here and looking for a place to worship and to grow. And, and so I got stuck here. It's like, wow. And it's a family here. And just we all kind of grew up here and just wanting to serve the Lord together and helping each other along the way. And what I realized is that... Um, as I grew older, that the people around me were growing older too. And so we had a huge youth group that came through, 25, and our youth group coming through. And as cycles go, we're coming down, and now we're, we're down here kind of going back up. So you don't see a lot of young people among us. And the Lord brought this to me. He said, I'm not finished with that group yet, Steve. So don't be going out and and trying to create an atmosphere of just fun and games to attract a whole bunch of young people. He says, you know what? The power of God is still going to move among this generation. Do I hear an amen? Amen. He's not done with us yet. We can be as strong and powerful and as bold as Peter and John and and as young people like Kaylee here. (laughs) Kaylee. Just proclaiming the name and and being trained and whatever. He's called us to different places, but filled with the Spirit of God. It's all about the same thing, about helping people to find God forever. So here they are. They're they're standing before this group and they're going, but they don't know nothing. And because in Israel at the time, uh, they funneled the elite group through uh, biblical teaching and through a Pharisee school, I guess you could call it. And, and, and so they all grew up and they were taught by all of the religious leaders. And then there were the fishermen and, the, and there was the, this other group of people that, okay, you guys go ahead and, and, and serve the Lord over there. But we're this group over here. And they're scratching their heads going, but those are fishermen that are standing before us. And there's something powerful. Their lives are changed. They were uneducated, untrained men. We don't. And how could that be? And they said, but they realized they had been with Jesus. Amen. So that means wherever you are, God has chosen you. Whether you've been to Bible school or not, he's chosen you. And he's going to give you the wisdom and the power, the Holy Spirit to do the job of helping people to find him for all eternity. Wherever you are, whatever experience you've had. It's a beautiful thing to not be left out. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing not to be chosen last to play on the team. <laughs> but God has purpose to choose you and me. And I, just, I love this passage because I think I come from that side. <laughs> I came from the work world. I didn't come from academia. And God said, Uh, I want you over here. And I'm going, what in the world? So I told this story a few weeks ago where I went to refrigeration school, commercial refrigeration school, and I'm loving my work because, um, you know, when you come into a place and they go, oh, Steve, you can fix this for us. You know, that feels pretty good. And so I'm loving my work and I'm driving to a carver that one day and I'm praising the Lord driving and, and I sense the Lord saying to me, Steve, yeah, uh, I want you to be a pastor. I'm going, well, I can do that, you know, when I'm not working, and I can do that. And I wasn't sure if it was my own thinking that maybe I could do that. Um, and so I said to him, I said, Lord, if this is you and just not my own thoughts, I love my work, so 
take away my work. I'm not going to quit, Lord. You take away my work. Two weeks later, he sold the company and I was out of work. I said, um, I, are you sure about this? <laughs> so that started my journey. And so praise God that wherever you are, whatever part, you could be working at uh, Costco. You could, wherever you are, God wants to use you there where a pastor can't go there and be that witness, but you. And so look what happens next here. In verse 15, they're so dumbfounded, they decide to send them out because they need to figure out what to do with them. What, now they've, they've brought them in, they've arrested them, and they've asked them what power and what authority, what name do you do this? And they answered, and they're going, what do we do? So look at 15 through 17. But when they had commanded them to go outside uh, of the council, they commanded them to go out aside out of the council. They conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a noble miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. The power of God. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely warn them or threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them in and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. I wonder what that, that severely threatened them. I wonder what that looked like. I wonder what that looked like. So here are the former fishermen, two of them standing before them. Their lives have been radically changed. They're not afraid of dying. They're not afraid. It says that they were bold and they had been with Jesus. Changed everything. Changed their lives. I believe that God is in the business of changing our lives every single day. Have you heard people say, I need to have a teachable spirit and I need to learn at least one new thing every day? That's cool. Because I believe that God wants to teach you and me something every single day to get you ready for the next day, to get you ready for the next encounter with whoever that he's teaching us. And so the question is, am I open for that teaching? Or am I going, you know, I've been there, done that. I, I don't need it. Or am I going, Lord, keep me. Show me today. And I don't know about you, but it's a humbling experience. <laughs> it's a humbling experience because sometimes uh, loved ones um, show you where you need to learn something that you were doing wrong. <laughs> sometimes you have people helping you along the way to follow the Lord. So where's that change? So, so here they are, um, but they're accused of doing something good. So the power in doing something good earned them the platform to share the truth. That platform. You and I have a platform, just like they did. But what gains that platform for you and for me to speak into people's lives is doing good. The world around us wants us to do bad and wants us to be mean and 
uh, arrogant and that kind. There's all that kind of training. But doing good opens the door for you to be able to share the true love, to share the truth of life with God for all eternity. But doing good, I want you to think about this last week. Where did you have opportunity to do good? Because that might have been that nugget in someone's life for you to either continue to speak or you to develop that relationship a little bit more to share. But God has um, positioned you different than everybody else. Everybody in this room, your, your position is a little bit different. I see someone here that works at Safeway. That's a little bit different than someone that works over here driving bus. Uh, that platform is, and he's ordained that because that's where he wants you. But doing good earns that voice. Doing good. So you just think about that for a minute. That is what opens the door. Satan doesn't want you to do good. Because when you do evil, people don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about you. So you think about that. The Bible says, Peter records that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. We have a country around us, our own country, that are oppressed by the devil, are oppressed and by you doing good unlocks the door to share the power for life. I noticed something here a couple of years ago. Um, uh, the older cars, um, do you know that they have a f- face on cars? The, the older cars, they have two eyes and they have a smile. The older cars are happy faces. They're happy faces. It, it is amazing. They got these big round headlights like this and maybe some of them have little things on, but they're happy cars. You pass most of the cars now and they've arranged the lights like this. They're mean and the, and the grill kind of goes like this. So when you look in your mirror, you see this car coming up behind you going, get out of my way. It is the weird, check it out. When you're driving down the road, the cars are mean looking. And you see a lot of the people driving them with the hats turned around and the sun, and they're mean too. They say, look out, I'm coming. Is that wild or what? But there's something going on in our world that says, I want to look tough and mean for you're not going to mess with me instead of love the happy cars. We need to make some happy cars again. Each of us have a platform. Turn to um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and I want this just to bear in for you and for me. Matthew chapter, uh, what did I say it was? 5, verse 16. It says, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen? Amen. That is our marching orders. That's why we have a bunch of you that signed up to do um, the old settlers thing, that we have volunteers here that are going to be with those orange vests and be helping people. We've got the happy face on, and we're going to see if we can't have a platform to do good 
and an opportunity to rub shoulders in. Somebody needs a prayer. Somebody needs help. Somebody shares something. Say, well, can I pray for you? you know, God has set us up for that, for here as a group. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the point, that he gets all the glory. So that earning that platform to speak. So God takes Ordinary people does extraordinary things by the power of God. There's people that need to be loved by you. There's people that need to be forgiven. There's people that need the hope for eternal life. So what happens next here in this is they stand before them and they warn them. And then finally, Peter and John have a response to them. And it's a beautiful response. In verse 19... But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had, had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because the people since they all glorified God for what, they, what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Change lives um, uh, is a, uh, an opening. The power of God to see changed lives. And you know, I think we'd love to see miracles of healing, a broken arm. We'd love to see stuff happen. But the most amazing miracle of all is a changed life. And I believe that each one of you sitting in here who have trusted in the Lord and you're desiring and you're seeking him and wanting to know how do I do this with my life, that power of change has been happening to you since the beginning, since you first trusted in him. And he has called you, and he's called you personally. So with everything, we're to glorify and honor God. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We are in Acts. So head toward the back of your Bible. You'll go past uh, Romans and uh, Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. And keep going till you'll find Colossians there, not too far there. Colossians, right after Philippians. Verse thir- uh, 17. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, so the words you speak or the actions that you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Man, that's our code for life. Amen. That's our code for life, whether it's just in our own house or whether it's in Ferndale, or whether like my kids in Sri Lanka, wherever we go, whatever you do in word or deed, in the name of the Lord, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amazing transfer of power for you and for me. So the opportunities, the opportunities await you and me. The opportunities to witness. The opportunities to speak the name of Jesus. We sang that song again, speak the name of Jesus over my family. The most powerful 
most powerful thing you can do is call on the Lord Jesus. So I want to show you a transfer of power by going to John chapter um, 14. This, um, it, it resembles me and it resembles you, I think, too, in John chapter 14. This was during the last meal that Jesus shared and he's having these final words with his disciples and they're realizing something is about to change. And he even shared that he was going to be crucified and they were, they were sad. They, they didn't understand. We've got a momentum here. We've got thousands of people following you, Jesus. And watch what Jesus says to them and watch this transfer of power. So he says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And, if, and where I go... You will know the way. Well, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Belief in the God's, the Father's love plan. And listen to verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. Well, Philip then, maybe like you and me, he's been with him these three years. He said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. It's like, if that's all, we'll just, we'll lay down our life. We'll do anything for you. Just show us the father. Isn't that Moses? Didn't Moses kind of do that too? Lord, show me your glory. I want to see you. God had been speaking to him. And maybe you and me here today, I want to see a miracle. I want to see your power. Lord, I want to see you. I, I want to see you. And that, that'll be enough for me. Just, just one miracle. <laughs> maybe you're thinking that. Just show me one miracle and that's enough for me and I'll lay my life down for you. I want... But you know, there's more than that. It's a life. He's entrusted us with something so special and powerful that it's more than just a physical healing. It's a transformation of our life that you're becoming the Lord in the Spirit, His Holy Spirit in you. You're becoming more and more in His image. So watch what He says here. Jesus turns to Philip and He says, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak from my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Jesus is now beginning to speak about that 
transferring of power to the disciples and for you and for me thousands of years later, this truth that the devil doesn't want you to know. He wants to suppress the truth of how powerful you are and whose name and authority that you live your life for the saving of souls. He goes on to say in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do. What? And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Are you kidding me? That same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus is in you and me? That we have possibilities that are out of this world. Following after him for the changing of lives. In 15, he brings it down to the nuts and bolts about, here's what you need to do. If you love me, keep my teachings or keep my commandments. And I will pray in the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Turn to First um, Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, back of your Bible, there's first and second. Peter there, first, uh, okay. I've gone too far. I went to 1 John. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his abundant mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, through it is tested by fire that may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, 
you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving at the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. So the truth is, in this world that we live in, that the curse came upon us in the garden, sickness and death came in because the first man and woman were deceived by the enemy, Jesus Christ came and reversed the curse. That true healing is life with God forever. But in this world that we live in, our faith is being perfected, as it says right here. For a little while, you've been grieved by various trials. Each one of us have these burdens that we're carrying right now. Each one. There's not one that isn't carrying a burden of some kind. He says, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's been tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory. The good that you do is the open door to help others. And the suffering that you're going through right now is meant to help you to draw closer to the Lord. So don't waste the pain. Use it to draw closer to the Lord. And the most amazing thing is when people see you go through that and offering that to the Lord as that time of growing closer to him, drawing closer to him, they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we, uh, we want to follow the Lord in becoming a house of prayer for the nations. And so we want to make sure that at the close of every service and when we get together, wherever we're in the lobby or wherever, that we're praying for one another and we're saying, hey, how could I pray for you? So um, as you're leaving, maybe you could ask that. Um, how could I, is there anything I can pray for you about? And you could pray for your family here, um, you know, people you know here, comfortable with. That, that's a good way to start. Um, changed lives. So in the Bible, it recorded um, this man was 45 years before he was, or over 40 years old, before he received that changed life. And I wondered what happened to him after that. He was with the disciples. He was jumping around with the disciples. His life was changed. Since you trusted Christ, he's given you a new life to live and to, and to follow God's leading, his Holy Spirit's leading in. So he's got work for us to do, and it's a beautiful work, and it's a worthy work. There's some of you in this room that, um, let me just uh, call of hands, I've got a couple of minutes here. Who in this room came to believe in Jesus when you were um, 10 or under, 10 years old or under, were you? Okay, praise the Lord. Well, he's been training you for a long time, way to go. Okay, uh, Teenager up to age 20. Any teens here? Yeah. Got some more covered. Okay. Let's see. 20 to uh, 40. Let's see in there. I'm in there. Okay. 20 to 40. Okay. Let's, let's, go, let's go 40 through 60. Any in there? 
How about let's do 70 and beyond? Well, I see, I see there's a person in the back, Jim Stiltz, he came to know the Lord at 70 years old. Praise God, huh? God's not done with us yet. And so Jim's looking for, how do I do this new life? And so you guys have been helping him since he came to know the Lord. He's looking at his Bible going, I don't know how to get around this thing. And some of you are going, here, let me help you. So it's a beautiful thing that we help each other in this life. Outside of the world, there's distractions. And when we come in here, we get that focus again on what is life really about? Because you're going to be spending eternity with him and each other. So let me just thank the Lord. And if if you'd like um, me to pray for you, I'd love to do that. But also if your family here and you just say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? We're helping each other because we've all got the struggles. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you record here. We're being kept by the power of God. Lord, I think for most of us here, there's stuff that we could be on a way different trail right now, but you've pulled us, you've put us on your trail, and you're keeping us by your power for the time that's been given, the breath of time. Lord, I thank you that you've called this group of people to do well in these last days. And so we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunities. Lord, I thank you that you've given us opportunities, each one of us opportunities to share the truth by the good works that we're doing, that we're to glorify you. So Lord, help us to do a whole bunch of good stuff so that people begin to talk to us and begin to ask, why are you doing this? And we can say, simply Jesus. And that, that could just change their life radically. But Jesus, Jesus, whatever you do in work or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him through the, to the Father through the Son. Lord, we thank you that you record. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you that this belief is a gift from you. So Lord, help us to unwrap it and give it back to you in the way that we live our lives with those around us. We thank you, Lord God. Thanks, thank you for that transfer of power that you did for the disciples and that you're doing for us even now, your Holy Spirit transfer of power and authority to live this new life. We don't have to be afraid of anything, not even death. We don't have to be afraid because we know what's on the other side. Lord, I thank you that we've been released to live this new life. Praise your holy name. Jesus' name. Amen.